Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. The Lord, the Lord put this on my heart, and I was, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I think I've already got that all saved. So I was super excited, and I thought I would do a little modification to it. And uh, I don't know, but for whatever reason, there's about a year of all of my photos missing. So I've got everything in here from 2017 all the way through 2023. But in 2021, for some reason, to uh, 2020, maybe I got a new phone in there or something. I don't know, but it's gone. I've gone through my cloud and and everything. And so I... uh, I don't know what happened. So I had to recreate this whole Bible study. (laughs) And so I had to sit down and and really do some digging and and go over it. And, you know, I'm glad that I did because I've come up with a couple different angles uh, on this. So anyway, so the whole thing is fresh. (laughs) I tried to go with uh, some of the things that I remembered, but... (laughs) When you when you talk about Bible prophecy, what comes to what comes to mind, right? I think the current events are: Are we in the last days? Are we in? Uh, are w- shall we go through the tribulation? Is it a, a pre-rapture, a mid-rapture? Is it a post-tribulation rapture? Right. And so many times when you're dealing with prophecy, you're dealing with things that haven't happened yet, but I want to do something a little different. I want to talk about some prophecies that have happened and that uh, we can go. And so I know Gigi's excited about this because she's she's always talking Bible prophecy at home. So anyway, uh, so these are ones that we can verify. There's there's hundreds maybe thousands of Bible prophecies that we can verify is true. But I'm going to go through these three, and uh, and then we'll see what happens from there. So our first one starts with a wall, around a wall. Now, there are some walls that are built to keep things out, and there are some walls that are built to keep things in. And this is part of the, who knows? Yes, the Berlin Wall. Now, if you're on one side of it, you had some freedom. If you were on the other side of it, not much freedom, right? And you can see the, I guess, the fence going over to the side and up on top. Here's another wall. This is a famous wall. That wall was put up to uh, protect its people, right? Here's a wall you never want to see. If you've seen one, (laughs) don't raise your hand. (laughs) You've seen it from the outside? You know, I've, I've, I've seen it from the inside one time, Walla Walla. And uh, I tell you what, I was there, I was going there to visit somebody, 
And when I did, I realized that I have completely lost all of my freedoms and I was 100% in the total protection of those, the good guys with guns because there was no way that I could escape. It wasn't just a wall, but there were fences and fences and, and, and special doors to go through. And when I got on the bus to go through everything, I realized I am a sitting duck. <laughs> it is one scary thing. And, and I was just there as a visitor, right? So that's one wall you never, Brother Mark, first-hand experience? Eighteen foot wall. Think about that. These ceilings are eighteen feet. Imagine a wall like that. Yes. It is. You have no control. You are at the you are at the mercy of I can imagine. But let's move on to the next wall. This is a uh the wall or part of the wall at anybody know? No, Vatican. Right? And uh you know there's a wall around Vatican City. Big wall, and that's one of the gates to uh, get in. But, Sam, you are close because we're going to talk about a wall. Actually, we're going to talk about a gate in Jerusalem. And <coughs> the city of Jerusalem. Now, you can go to that gate right there today. It's pretty neat. I've never been there. Raise your hand if you've, you've been there. Yes, I'm planning. I'm planning on going in the millennium, so I don't have to worry about uh, getting food poison or kidnapped or anything like that. Yes. Amen. Yes. There's eight gates. There's the Dung Gate, Zion Gate, Jaffa Gate, New Gate, Damascus Gate. Herod's Gate, the Lion's Gate, which is now uh, St. Stephen's Gate, and the Golden Gate, right? Some of these gates. But the one I want to talk about is this gate, the Golden Gate. Now, this is not the Golden Gate in San Francisco. 
right? And uh, you could, the Eastern Gate, or they talked about it, uh, it was talked about Sunday morning twice. Gate Beautiful, the Beautiful Gate, right? Now, what's wrong with that picture? Okay, so let me say that. Let me do this. Go. So, what's the building behind it? That's Solomon's Temple. That's not there, right? And so, what happened? Well, this guy came along, is what happened. Solomon. Now, don't just scoff at Solomon. He is an important figure in history and a fulfiller of Bible prophecy. And by the way, this portrait of him right there, S Sotheby's. Who knows what Sotheby's is? Auction for what? Precious items. Guess how much that portrait? Five million dollars in 2019 that thing sold for. <laughs> or five million pounds. So a little, could have been more than Five million dollars. Yep. Solomon the Magnificent. The longest reigning sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Let's take a look at his empire. Pretty big empire. Okay. Pretty huge. He was a contemporary to Henry VIII. Francis I, Charles V. That looks like a great book. And it has to do with the formation of Europe, that book there. But this individual, that's what he did. He walled the gates. Now, that gate in Solomon's day would take you right into the outer court of Solomon's temple. Okay? Now, <coughs> this is what it looks like today. So there is no temple there, Jewish temple. Dome of the Rock. The mosque is there, the Muslim mosque. And <coughs> what he did was he knew that the Jewish Messiah would come through that gate. And so he walled it off so the Jewish Messiah could never come through that gate. Now, all the other gates are open, except for this gate right here. The great sultan walled it off because he wasn't a Jew. He didn't want the Jewish Messiah to come through there. What he failed to realize is by him doing that, he fulfilled Bible prophecy. Ezekiel 44 and 1. Then he brought me back to the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east. 
and it was shut, the eastern gate. Then said the Lord unto me, this gate shall be shut. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is this is almost this is about almost 2000 years before it happened. Ezekiel writes this. This gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened and no man shall enter in by it. Why? Because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. <laughs> Ezekiel says, hey, the Lord says that this gate is going to be shut. Why? Because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. What the sultan didn't realize was somewhere around 33 A.D., the Lord, the God of Israel, went through those gates. We call it Palm Sunday. Amen. And so now it's shut. He fulfilled almost a 2,000-year prophecy, trying to keep prophecy from being fulfilled. That's pretty amazing that you could go there today Gigi, did you know that one? You knew that one? Okay, okay, good enough. She was trying to guess which prophecies I was going to do tonight. That's pretty good. Okay, good job. All right. Let's go to the next one. How about this? This is an amazing prophecy. I remember sharing this a few years ago. And th this one is incredible. It has to deal with the Phoenician city. A beautiful Phoenician city. Um, if, if you've, uh, you know, if you've ever been to uh, Las Vegas, maybe for a, uh, corporate event or something like that they have a hotel there called the Venetian and it is uh, it's kind of it's done in in this style and it's over the top and so I'm sure it, it just paled in comparisons to how glorious these this city was here Tyree Tyre and God pronounces judgment on Tyre. You don't ever want to be in a place or a person that God pronounces judgment on. <laughs> you just don't. And, and so he pronounces judgment on Tyre. Here's another artist's rendition of the city. Imagine it was just gorgeous. This is out on the outskirts as you approach Tyre. It's not actually part of Tyre, but it just kind of gives you a, a, a glimpse into the period, right? Well, let me read some scriptures to you. Ezekiel 26 and 7. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will bring upon Tyrus 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a king of kings from the north with his horses and with chariots and with horsemen and companies and much people. Isn't that amazing that God uses a non-Israelite, one of God's, not, not, a, not a follower of God, right, to, uh, to take down this city? And that's how God is. He is able to set up kings and kingdoms. <laughs> he sets them up and he takes them down. And so he says, Tyre, I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar in, and Babylon is going to take you out. Here's some more scriptures on it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Tyrus, and I will cause many nations to come up, come up against thee, as the sea causeth his wave to come up. It's going to be like a wave of nations, people that are going to come against you. And they shall destroy the walls of Tyrus and break down her towers. I will also scrape her dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. He says, I'm going to flatten you out. I'm going to scrape the dust from you. I'm going to make you flat like a rock. It shall be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea. Tyre, I'm going to make you a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God, and it shall become a spoil to the nations. So your riches that you have all built up, it's going to be a spoil to the nations. And I'm going to wipe you out. Wow. He says he's going to do this. Start with Nebuchadnezzar. Here's a map. Tyre, right there. It has a natural spring, a huge natural spring. It has great fertile land. It's perfect for land trade from Europe to Africa. Access to the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. So it was very prosperous and very rich. The deceitfulness of riches. You know, I was saddened by um, a comment that I read from uh, the Tumanita. Did you read his comment? The Tumanita? Did you read his comment well anyway it's pretty vulgar and it's pretty bad about the existence of heaven and and i thought you know it's what the bible says the deceitfulness of riches now that deceitfulness of riches is a two-edged sword those who have it and don't know the lord think that they don't need the lord and those that know the Lord and then obtain riches sometimes can be deceived by thinking that they're doing right because their bank accounts are getting larger. It's the deceitfulness of riches, right? Anyway, 
That's how this city was. And so God said he's had enough, and he was going to flatten it out. Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and they take siege of the city, and eventually they take it over. Here's another piece of art. I'm sure this thing sold for millions of dollars. <laughs> the, the challenge was this. On the right-hand side is, is the map of where Tyre is. So when they had giant walls around the city. So when Nebuchadnezzar came, what they did was they took their treasure, they took a lot of their riches, and they sailed out to this island. And then when Nebuchadnezzar came through, there was a significant amount of the people and their treasures were on this island. And so Nebuchadnezzar went through and laid waste to the city. But he didn't have any ships. So he couldn't get to the remnant that was on this little island. And so they thought that they had it pretty good for almost 300 years. Until, well, and this is what it, it looked like. They built that island up to a fortress. They were master shipsmen, these Venetians. Or not Venetians, but Phoenicians. And they built defenses around the city that you couldn't bring ships in. They controlled how to get in and out. And at that same time, as they had rebuilt this island, this man comes into power. Any, any guesses? Alexander the Great. These are life-size life sculptors of this guy. Okay, Alexander the Great. And so he decides he needs to take over that island because it's an incredible island. But there's a problem. He knows he can't take his navy in there. So you know what he decides to do? Build a bridge. 60 meters wide, almost a mile long. Where is he going to get all the supplies? Well, he takes that city of Tyre and moves it all into the ocean. <laughs> God said, Tyre, I'm going to take you and put you into the sea, and the fishermen are going to spread its nets over you. Alexander the Great decides he's going to build this bridge to go across. Today, it's not an island. It's a peninsula. And this 2,000 years and shifting of the sand, it's built this huge peninsula today. But it all started with this. 
That's the old coastline. This is the present coastline. And the spine of it is Alexander's Causeway Bridge. Remains of his bridge. Isn't that amazing? That's what it looks like today. It's, it's not an island. Landmass, Tyree today. And all Tyree today, it's, there's a city called Tyree, but it's not that glorious, rich place. In fact, there is no city of Tyree in the place where it was. They've got a little tiny fishing place now called Tyree on the point of that, pe of that peninsula. There's, the, there's a man uh, fishing right there over the ruins of that once magnificent city that Alexander the Great moved and put into the ocean. Look at that. <laughs> God says, I'm going to make you flat like a tabletop in the sea. Wow. Destruction of Tyre, Ezekiel 26, 1 through 14, fulfilled by Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander the Great. Alexander demolished old Tyree with 10,000 men carrying stones to construct the, the bridge, a mole six meters, 60 meters wide. Nebuchadnezzar's 13-year siege destroyed old Tyree in 573, 586 to 573 B.C. Pretty amazing. I got another one here. This is a, this is a, this is a great one, too. This deals with the city, perhaps the most glorious city that's ever been on, on the earth. Now, if you went there today, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know it. Any ideas what city it is? Babylon. You knew it, huh? There you go. Good, good. It really was the Hanging Gardens, if this beautiful Babylon, right? You know what's going to be neat is when, when you're in heaven, you'll be able to go into the room of history, and you'll be able to say, I'd like to see what this looked like and that looked like and that looked like, and it'll just come up, and you'll be able to see it. And you'll say, you know, I'd like to, what did it feel like to be walking uh, and to be part of that? You could just walk right into it. Now, now you think, Jeff, you're being crazy. No, I'm not, because the Bible says it hasn't even entered into the minds of men, right? So if I can, if I can dream it up, if I can think it, it's got to be so much more greater than that, right? Okay, so we can't limit what heaven's going to be like. Somebody said to me the other day, are we going to be bored in heaven? No, we're not going to be bored. Are you kidding me? 
yeah, you you go into a new city as a tourist and and you're there for a week, you can't even see everything. Imagine a city that is from Texas to Canada all the way over to the Pacific Ocean, down towards the top of Mexico, back over to Canada, and it's a giant cube. Yeah, you know how long it's going to take to explore that? And then on top of it, a new earth? We're going to have a lot to do. I'm not saying that in heaven we're just going to be tourists, <laughs> all right, <laughs> on vacation. Amen. How about this? That is in a museum in Berlin, right? Those are the gates of Ishtar that Nebuchadnezzar built. Now, when they dug those out of the ground, it didn't look like that. It looked like this. <laughs> and they put them together. Pretty amazing, isn't it? You could go there and see that. So you can imagine what this city must have looked like, right? Just glorious, splendid city. But we know the story. For I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the the name and remnant and son, nephew, saith the Lord. Babylon will be a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, an object of horror and scorn, a place where no one lives. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolation. That is not a good term, perpetual desolation. <laughs> that is eternity, eternity of nothing is, is, is what that is. Well, for the next 50-some years after that prophecy was given, they were still living the high life. But we know the story. Belshazzar is having a great feast, and he's got all of his wise men in there, and he's using the sacred vessels of God's temple, and suddenly a hand starts to write on the wall, and they are terrified. And it says that your days are numbered, O Babylon. You have met the end of the road. God has numbered your days. And that night, the Medes and the Persians came in and destroyed the city and took it. Just like that. Whew. Amen. No wonder everybody tries to uh, read end-time prophecy <laughs> because we want to make sure. Hey, 
I don't want to be in I don't want to be in Sodom and Gomorrah if it's God's going to rain rain down hellfire upon it, right? Go ahead, brother Mark. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Huh. All right. <coughs> Here's another artist's rendition. That'd be a neat painting to get, wouldn't it? Babylon. The great Babylon. Look at the ruins of it. But something happened a few years back. Somebody got an idea. That they were the reincarnated Nebuchadnezzar. And he was going to build again Babylon. The problem is, is he's going against Bible prophecy. Because God said, I'm going to destroy that place. It will be a place of jackals and foxes and storks. There isn't going to be civilization there. But this man, Saddam Hussein, he these, these are some paintings that they had, murals. There was a bunch of them all over in Iraq. He even printed him and Nebuchadnezzar on their own, on their money. The problem was you cannot go against the word of God. So the Lord rose up. Well, that's what he started to do. He started to rebuild. He was getting a lot done. That's not Disney World. That's right. But the Lord rose up a great eagle. That's how it would say in the Bible. And the Lord rose up a great eagle. <laughs> the United States of America. Right? And our soldiers went there. That is, that is, I don't know how exactly how old that is, but that is one old monument. So if you went there today, you could get a picture. Now that's, those are, oh, I don't know, those are definitely not Americans. Now this guy, he's an American, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, an American, they're just going to jump over the line, j jump on this uh, 2,000, 3,000-year-old uh, artifact. Hey, get a picture. <laughs> I'm going to get 1,000 likes with this one. <laughs> oh, yes.
when you become the king, you get to you get to rob your nation of all of its wealth, right? Is I, one time I sat down with these two brothers and uh, and I said, uh, "Yeah, I know you're doing real well." And he goes, "No, no, no, I'm just an oligarch. He's Putin, right?" <laughs> and that's the truth. Putin is he the richest man in the world? Could be, maybe. I mean, when you when you rob a nation of all of its riches. There you go. Brother Mark knows these these facts. There you go. He probably could be a trillionaire. I mean, that's that's what I have heard anyway. Bible prophecy. So I just showed you some great examples of fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So where do we go from here? Well, prophecy is a reason for hope. I know that when we look around and you see the culture that's around us, sometimes I know we have to think it's unbelievable. <coughs> but we have hope in the Word of God. Let me read a couple of prophecies. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. For the Lord himself. Now, this has not happened. If it has, we're in trouble. Okay. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with him, the Lord. Praise God. That will happen, Brother Kelly. Second Thessalonians, those that obey not the gospel. Oof, ouch. Yeah, Second Thessalonians is a uh, is a tough one. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. Right. So, <coughs> and we can. What's that, Brother Kelly? That is definitely prophecy. That is that is gonna that is gonna happen. Now you can decide: is that part of what uh, Jude writes, or is that part also of what John writes in Revelation, when the angels and the saints come back? So that's another day, another topic. All right. And then how about this? First Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. There it is again. For the trumpet 
shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Woo! Amen. This world, it's all vanity. Amen. But what we do for God will go for all of eternity. I'm sorry to have to tell the Terminator he's completely wrong. Amen. But it's sad because for some people, this is all the heaven they're going to know. For other people, this is all the suffering we will ever know is this life here on earth. It's the sad, sad, the deceitfulness of riches. Anyway, praise God. We have got so much to look forward to. We are the light and the salt of the of the earth. Amen. And God has given us something that his people have never had. We have the revelation and the understanding of the divine name, Jesus Christ, and the authority to use it. Amen. We have something they didn't have in the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost, God inside of you. And the other thing that we have. No, not an iPhone. We've got the complete word of God from Genesis to Revelations. (laughs) And some of us even got it on our iPhones or all of us probably. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope that uh, you will be encouraged. Let's invite out. Somebody might think maybe we better not invite out because I don't know if we got enough seats. But uh, no, we need to continue to invite out. Amen. Spread the news. God is just doing incredible things. If you come to our church service, you are going to be blown away, not by our talent and our ability. Amen. It's not by the the great cunning words that we say, but it's by the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Uh, When they come in, they will feel, feel, not full, but feel the spirit of God as he sweeps across this congregation. Amen. We are in the midst of a great revival. We really are in the midst of a great revival. Amen. And uh, so we need to keep this thing going. Praise God. Let's all stand and uh, we'll pray and be dismissed. Brother Colton, would you uh, mind praying and dismissing us, please?